He is a Danville, Illinois native, a former photographer for various hockey leagues and teams worldwide, and she is the first female sole founding owner in North American pro hockey history. Please welcome owner of the SPHL Vermilion County Bobcats, Ellen Tully. Hi. Hi. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you. I'm so jealous of your background. I just have a blank wall <laughs> and you have such cool pictures and records and everything. Yeah, I have my, I, I joke that if people visit the house, they think it's a man cave and one wall is, is the hockey teams that I've worked for. And the other side is a bunch of rock and roll memorabilia that I collect that I've learned is a really cool backdrop for podcasts. So. Yes, it is. I am <laughs> jealous. It looks awesome. I see you got like a Ghostbusters photo back there and yeah, just some other cool like albums and stuff. Wow, that's awesome. And Jerry Garcia and Dire Straits and Queen. And uh, I think there's a picture with Billy Gibbons. I got to cook him dinner one night. That's a long story. That's <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah, that's so awesome. it's yeah. all of it had. All of it has memories for me, whether it's to my family or to my dad or something special like that. So nice. How so it has, it's just not, not just fan art, but it's also like personal memorabilia for you as well. Absolutely. Everything to me, like I'm, I'm a, music is a big thing in my life. So all of that, like a song takes me back to a moment or an album or something like that. So all of it has, has history with me. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. So the people that watch us on video will see all of that. <laughs> so oh, hopefully they'll oh, hop on. <laughs> so you have been in the sport of hockey for over 20 years, and I'm just very excited to speak with you and have our <laughs> listener, listeners learn more about your extensive work in the hockey community and your path to owning um, the Bobcats hockey team. So what first grabbed your interest in the sport of hockey? Um, I grew up, you know, grew up in Danville and we had, I believe it was the Continental League um, in the late 70s to, to late 80s. And it was, um, it was kind of like slap shot, um, you know, that, that level of hockey. But um, I have four older brothers. My fourth brother and I are closest in age. Um, we're still nine and a half years apart, but my dad would take my brother and I on weekends to the games and my brother fell in love with it and he'll hate me for telling the story, but he secretly saved up his um, allowance and went down to the sporting goods store and bought goalie equipment, um, much to my dad's, un, you know, unhappiness. Um, but he got involved and I would go down to the rink and, and the team actually taught him to play and taught me to skate. And he grew into it and, be, and became a goalie and ended up playing division three. And I fell in love with the sport with him. So it was, it was our thing to do with it, with our dad. And as a, you know, as he went into college and coaching, I followed along. And when I hit my teenage years, um, they brought a junior team to town, which my dad owned and my brother eventually coached. Nice. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I fell into it. And then from there, you know, my, my brother went one way and I went another way, but as soon as I graduated college, I went right back to hockey. Nice. So yeah, I, I just, I never really knew any difference. Um, it was, it was always, and it wasn't the NHL. It was always, you know, minor level hockey or junior hockey where, you know, our, our junior team successfully put over 400 kids on division one scholarships. So, which is kind of the reason, you know, when, when you get to me wanting to know why I wanted to know, own an SPHL team kind of circles back around to that, um, because they do a tuition reimbursement program. Oh, okay. so great. Yeah. 
So I wanted to be able to help players essentially either finish their education or learn a skill or get a skill that once they ended their career, they had something to fall back on, which you don't normally get in any other minor league level sport. Right. Which is awesome. I mean, that is just incredible. And like you said, you really don't hear, I know a lot of people in just various parts of just the nation of us, they don't know too much about all of the intricate levels of hockey. Like they're just like, Oh, the NHL. Right. And you're like, no, well, like minor league too. <laughs> so, and then get down. It's, it's very different in its development program is in, I mean, your development starts at the junior level, which is 16 right. to 20. And then you get into the minors, but it's unlike baseball, you know, which has so many different levels. Hockey goes essentially the SPHL, the ECHL, the AHL, the NHL. There's four levels of of development or three levels of development before you get to the top tier. And it's, you know, it's, it's a very simple thing to follow. Right. And I love the tuition reimbursement because when you think about it, some people want to just play to play. They may not necessarily want to take it to another level or try to go to the NHL and they might just want to say, Hey, you know, I'm playing just to have fun and I want to do something else. (laughs) So that's always good to have that cushion, something to fall back on that you're equally as passionate about. And then you could just go on and, you know, have something to go into instead of just having hockey, which is fine if you want to just have hockey, but it's nice to have that option. So I love that. It is. And it's, it's a um, team by team choice to, to participate in that. And so for us, it was, it was a no brainer. It was that, and then we're developing our own mental health care program. So those are the two things that are, are huge with our organization is, is creating um, opportunities for life after hockey, but also preparing players for life after hockey. That is amazing. So before we get into that, because I definitely yep. want to talk about that. <laughs> I, um, I know your dad, um, you mentioned him a little bit, is just a huge part of your history in the sport. Yeah. And he was a huge inspiration to you. So can you speak more about him and why he inspired you? Um, he was, he was an amazing man. Um, he, uh, <laughs> there wasn't anything that he, he couldn't do. Um, he grew up um, he came from nothing, essentially, um, grew up in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, Vetersburg, Indiana, um, <clears throat> in a, in a scrap metal recycling family, which back then was collecting cans and, and whatnot. Um, they left Vetersburg for Danville, Illinois, um, because the KKK burned across in their front yard. They were Jewish. Um, he was, you know, he, he grew up in a really interesting time in Danville where he went to school with one of the Van Dyke brothers. My aunt actually dated Gene Hackman. She said he was boring. Sorry, Gene. Um, so, but it was, um, he, he grew up in a really, you know, interesting time. He, um, he trained for the Korean War, um, which is he calls the Forgotten War because it's not really taught. No, um, but no. um, he he came in and and he grew our family business and I was adopted. So my, my parents had four sons and then adopted me. Um, but he came in to the family business and he took it and his, he was brilliant. And he grew um, our, our scrap metal recycling business from something that was very local into, you know, what it is today. Um, but he was also very driven by education. Um, he was the chairman of the state board of education for 16 years. He worked with three different governors on the Illinois business Roundtable. Um, he was very th- philanthropic and gave back, um, to a number of different areas, but the community itself um, was huge. And he said, there's three things that are important in, in a man's life or in a person's life. He said, the first one is your family. Mm-hmm. The second is your community. 
And the third is always make sure you have cash flow in your business because that's how you support your family and your community. Right. So, and, wow. so it was, and that was, it was, that was a story that was told to me recently by another business owner in Danville, um, which, you know, I, I took to heart. Um, we actually interviewed my dad and he, he passed away from ALS. Mm-hmm. Um, but we interviewed him and the most amazing thing was the last thing we asked him, which was if you had one message to leave, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And, um, he paused for about 10 seconds and he said, always remember your word is your bond. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. If you say you're going to help someone, you help them, but always make sure people know your word is good. And that's something that's driven me from this point. So when I've made my commitment with the Bobcats to Danville, you know, I've committed to helping the community and I'm there to make sure that my word is good. Because that's what my dad raised us to do is to give back to Danville. And, and Danville's important to me. Um, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't have the opportunities that I do if it wasn't for my dad, you know, and my family adopting me. And so it's important me to give back to, to the town. And I loved growing up there. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, it's Danville. I'm like, yeah, but you know, it, it really was very idyllic. I mean, we, you know, you played until the streetlights came on, you went right. to the local frozen custard place that's been there since 1949. I mean, like we, you know, we had an A&W that they still served on roller skates when I was a kid. I mean, it was, it was fun. Um, you did go to the mall and hang out or you went roller skating at the roller rink. I mean, or you went ice skating down at the civic center. So, and, and you went and watched, you know, the hockey team and, and high school football. And so it was, you know, it's, it's important to me to create some of that for the next generation because they don't have that right now. Right. There's been a lot of change economically, um, demographically. So it's it's important to give them, to give the town and, and to give the community something to be proud of, something to bring them together and, and to support and, and, and be proud of. Wow. It sounds like your dad was a very just hardworking, somebody who just was driven by just hard work and supporting his family, which is really nice to hear. And it's nice to know more about him and just how he inspired you to where you are now. That's just wonderful. And I definitely agree with you on having something to have the community to surround themselves by. I know when I lived in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, there was um, yeah ice dogs um, hockey team. I can't remember what part of the league they were like they were in, but when I went to the game, you know, the state, the arena is kind of small, but when we went there, it was packed and there were dedicated fans there you would swear it was like philadelphia flyers game like yeah. a packed arena it was in, it was insane and you were like wow this community really cares about this hockey team people had jerseys i knew one couple they got married in their jerseys on the (laughs) oh my gosh that's amazing so i definitely understand that aspect if i had never seen that i would never have understood it that way but just given that area of Alaska, there's not much going on up there, unfortunately, because it's so far north. So just knowing that they had that ice hockey like community going on, and that was something that drove people to get out and do things. I definitely understand that. And I'm just more excited to hear about your journey as you go on, you know, with the organization, because that's incredible. That's just so amazing. So I know you also have Strong ties with the Granado family, which is a very well-known <laughs> family yeah, in the hockey yeah. community. So can you speak wonderful people? <laughs> yeah. And then can you speak more to how Tony Granado has helped shape you? 
Um, Tony, when I got to the NHL, um, I, it was with the avalanche and Tony was, was the coach there. And, um, it turned out when I, my off season home was 10 minutes away from his parents, um, in Plainfield, Illinois. And he just was such a family oriented person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I took a lot of, mm, took a lot of notice to how he operated as a coach, um, how he operated um, off the ice. And, and he was very much, you know, it, there was a lot of togetherness. And in the off season um, was invited over. It was the year they were trying to bring Chicago, the Olympics to Chicago. And so Cammy was invited to throw the first pitch, at the, the White Sox game. So I was invited there and to the house afterwards and um, just a lot of really fun experiences. And so when I got this opportunity um, to do this, I called Tony and I said, I need your advice. And um, he said, I, I don't know if I should tell this story. Um, he, asked me, he said, you know, if you do this and it doesn't work, are you going to have to file for unemployment? And I said, no. And he goes, well, then effing do it. <laughs> nice. I, don't know, I don't know if you should Very put that part in there. We can, we can edit that part out. But he said, you should do it. Right. Uh, and then I asked him, I said, you know, what, what are the, what advice can you give me on this? And he said, well, you have to develop the philosophy of your organization, you know, develop your core values of your organization. Your philosophy will grow and it will change, right. but those core values, will, it, they'll remain the same. Right. And he said, whatever you do, interview in person, no zoom, no right. phone calls, nothing like that. You know, you can start that process, but always end in person because you can go off a script. You know, after a while, I, I mean, I, I can even admit in, in some interviews where I was like, wow, my answers are getting to be very trite, you know, very, very repetitive. And, and I was like, I, you know, I, this isn't fun. You know, it's not fun anymore. This isn't, I want to enjoy what I'm doing. Right. So I thought, you know, somebody interviewing, you're going to have your answers planned out. I can, you know, you can fake that facial expression or you can, you know, the, your gesture. I'm, I get made fun of all the time because I'm Italian. So I talk with my hands and I'm very, you know, and so, um, so I agreed with him. And, and so I, you know, I took a lot of what he said to heart and I, and I put that into play when I started to bring in my staff and, and different areas of that. And, um, you know, it, he and, and Donnie both were people that I deferred to as, you know, do you have suggestions about this person or do you have suggestions about how I go about this or I have this idea to do in the arena. And so they were, you know, they were very um, supportive in the very early stages of the process of me doing this. That's awesome. I just love his advice. Just, okay, well, are you going to be financially? Yeah. Are you going to be okay? <laughs> okay. If not, then go for it. And I like the advice of definitely interviewing in person, because I mean, I know that every COVID has changed a lot of that and what people are comfortable with, but it is definitely really hard to interview someone over zoom. It's not you can't get a same, you can get a sense of them, but it's, I can see what you mean by being very scripted and yeah. just getting very, just like, oh, well, I know if I'm interviewing for this position, they're probably going to ask me X, Y, and Z. I could have it written and read it or something. And then it comes off as not as natural. So no, I love it all. Yeah. I love that advice. That's amazing advice. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, you don't really hear, I know the Granados have touched a lot of people, but it's also nice to talk to someone who's had a personal connection with them. That's amazing. They're they really are. Even, even the parents, every one of them is just, they're just fantastic people. Yes. So they really, I can't say enough good things about them. So that's amazing. So now that you are moving into your ownership of the Bobcats, uh, Bobcats, you have started this organization from the ground up. 
and the team will be based in Danville. And what does it mean to you um, that you were able to pave the way for other young women who may want to follow along in your footsteps? Well, it was very, it, it was, I didn't know what I was doing was a first. Um, right. and, and, you know, I never have thought about it like that. It was just, it's always just hockey always came very natural in, in my life. Um, but I, you know, I start to see in articles and I didn't even really notice it in articles until someone said, what you're doing is, is a first, um, <laughs> you know, women are, are stepping into male roles, predominantly male led roles all over the place. Um, you know, Cammie is actually a scout for the Seattle Kraken. Mm -hmm. Um, they just named, um, oh gosh, her name has slipped my mind. The Maple Leafs just put a female in a, in a very high lead position. I mean, a, um, Kendall Coyne in Chicago has stepped in a role with the Blackhawks. So women in hockey in, in males, in male roles in hockey is, is really becoming, I shouldn't say the norm, but it is, it's not becoming uncommon. Right. And the fact that, you know, we can contribute the same, maybe more, you know, it's, it's always like having a fresh set of eyes, look at something, right. you know, but making an impact like this, um, as a business owner, you have to have thick skin. You're going to hear jokes that are inappropriate. You're going to have comments made to you, um, that are very, hurtful that are very frustrating. You're going to encounter those obstacles. And, you know, I've, I've had moments where, you know, I get frustrated. I cry, I get angry. I, you know, I go through that set of emotions where, you know, I, do I want to give up? No, right. it, it just gives me more drive to keep doing this. Right. But I, you know, it, it's because you don't always, you have to have a strong support system right? because if you don't, and you're trying to do it on your own, it, it's going to punch you in the gut and it's going to hurt. Um, and, and you, you know, I, I have moments where I curl up on the couch and I'm like, God, what, you know, why does this keep happening? Um, and you just kind of got to suck it up and go with it. Right. And that's just being, whether that's true in any business though, you're going to encounter that as a woman in a male dominated sport, you're just going to be hit a little harder and you got to learn to take it and pick up the pieces and keep going. And if you don't have that, then it's probably not the best place for you. Um, you've got to learn to be strong and you've got to learn to be confident in the most times that you will feel the least confident. You, you know, it's just something that, um, you know, and I grew up with four older brothers. So I, I grew up around boys. I was used to, you know, and around hockey teams every year since I was 16. So I was, I was used to the jokes. I was used to the obnoxiousness. I was used to, you know, the inappropriate comments. And I learned to fire back just as hard as they fired at me. Right. So I was like, oh, you want to make that joke? Okay, well, I'll give it, you know, I'm, you're going to dish it. I hope you can take because I'm going <laughs> to dish it right back to you. And, you know, I, I earned my respects in that way. And it's, it's very frustrating too, that your appearance, your clothing, you know, how you dress, all of that still factors in. Right. Um, you know, I dealt with an issue where I had on a pair of black pants and a white tank top, and I was holding a hockey stick for a magazine cover. And I was told you need to put on a Jersey. I said, excuse me. <laughs> and I fired back an email because there was another magazine cover that showed a woman in a tank top and a pair of pants. I said, how is my, my photo any different from this photo? Right. Well, the, the business owners that are 55 and older feel it's not appropriate. 
and I fired back and I, I fired in, you know, an email off to um, the mayor and a couple of other women business owners and nobody saw any issue with the, the, the photo, the magazine cover. And I fired an issue, I fired an email back to the person and in it, um, I actually quoted um, a former governor of Illinois, Jim Edgar, who said, um, I don't believe anybody ever said, or every, I don't believe Lou Mervis, anybody ever told Lou Mervis what to do or what to say, because he's not that kind of man. And my response was, and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Right. <laughs> and um, needless to say, um, I finished my email, obviously showing the previous cover of the woman in the same outfit, and then my cover. And I said, and we'll be using this picture. And sure enough, um, they're using that picture. Right. Um, and the only difference is, is like the photos cropped at my knees. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. So the, the shoes that, I mean, my ankles weren't showing, I, you know, but it was one of those things where I'm like, wow, are you right. kidding me? And I could, I mean, I, I could show you the photo. I mean, it, it's just really like, wow. I was stunned that this was an issue. Like, I couldn't what a, imagine that just dealing with that over just one little Oh yeah, you can't even see my, you can't see my shoulders. There's, you know, it's a white shirt and black pants. I couldn't be any more professional, just clean. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the fact that they said, can you put on a Jersey? I'm like, no, I'm not going to be costumed. Right. Like, not, this is, you know, my logo is the background. What do you want from me? You know, right. I was, I was really I was really stunned and I was really hurt um, by by that whole scenario. And it was um, it's just it was really disappointing to me. And it's funny because I will actually show you um, that is the Which magazine. Looks incredible. Cover. There's nothing yes. wrong. I hope people watch the video so they can see that there's nothing wrong with the phone. Yeah, like that to me was. And so to be called, to be told, go put on a jersey when that's it. Like, are you kidding me? Right. This, and if that's not how you're going to be seen at the games or anything like that, you don't no. see owners wearing jerseys in the NFL. You'll see no. them in their boxes. They're in a suit or a dress shirt or something. They don't walk around in Cowboys <laughs> t-shirts or no. t-shirts or anything like that. So yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, yeah. So I was, I, I was really disappointed in that, but it's not, you know, it's not the first time that somebody is, I mean, when, when it first came out that I was an owner, somebody, there was a whole thing on, on a um, web page was like, oh, we got the hottest owner in the league. And I thought, oh, here we, you know, I was just waiting for oh, this one. Right. Because, you know, all right, here we go. Let's just get this one over with and move on to the next thing. Like, you want to talk to me about, you know, somebody's neutral zone four check? Let's talk about that. Like, right. you want to talk to me about somebody's favorite? Like, like, can we really... Like I'll put a bag over my head. Can we have a real conversation? Not right. not you know, just appearances or yes. my hair or anything like yeah. that. I totally understand. I think definitely until we get to a point where women are just in hockey in these um, you know, C-suite level positions and just being a scout or being a coach or assistant coach, whatever it may be, equipment manager, whatever. It's just until we get there, it's just unfortunate that we have to continue to deal with those little digs every time. And I, I definitely agree with you. You definitely have to be strong. Me being 
somebody who was in the army, I understand what it's like to be around males. (laughs) I deployed and I had to sit with a lot of guys and just, you know, and I definitely, and I would get comments too, but at the end of the day, you're just like, okay, like just got to leave it alone. Like stay over there. And sometimes it does bother you, you know, I totally get that, but it's just, you have to keep pushing forward because if not, they'll win at the end of the day. I mean, if, even if they don't, they don't know it, they will win because then less and less women will want to enter into the equipment manager role or the goalie coach role. So it's definitely worth, you just have to take it and, you know, address it when necessary, like you did, or if they make the comments fire back, don't be afraid to speak up. Don't yeah. let them treat you that way, but you got to deal with it. It's just, you know, one of the unfortunates of the hockey community that we're trying to change. Well, it, was, it was funny because somebody actually posted, um, oh, that's that photo's all photoshopped in, in that that um, that web stream. And so I saw it and I, I posted a picture of me in a ball cap and I said, thanks for the compliment, but this is really me. And somebody hey. goes, and somebody actually goes, oh my God, she's really nice and accessible. And I thought, Really? (laughs) Like, this is the most absurd conversation. And thank God I was like scouting at another game, but I was just laughing at the conversation because these people have no idea. And I'd rather fire back and make it, make it something fun and make it a joke than, than make it, you know, I, I never like things to blow up and be a big deal. I don't want drama. Mm -hmm. I I, I try and turn things into humor whenever I can. Right. You know, I try not to take things too seriously because if I do, like I said, you end up curled up in a ball on the floor, yeah. you know, or the media will just dive on that issue instead of oh, what's yeah. more important. Like, okay, how is she managing the team? What's her culture like on her team? Instead of more actual things that make sense, the media will totally just as soon as they're on in the water, the sharks attack. Absolutely. Exactly. So, yep. Oh my goodness. So given that <laughs> we're still talking about hockey being a male, oh. <laughs> we have seen females enter the league, such as the SPHL, um, for example, all-star goalie and three-time Olympian Shan Sabatos, yep. who have played for the SPHL. Do you foresee more females getting into this league? I think anything's possible. I mean, it's, I, and I've, I've been, uh, I, I think I've actually photographed Shannon at the women's worlds, um, five or six years ago. Um, when I think she was playing for team Canada, when I was there, um, you know, it, to me, it's based on talent. And I mean, you've seen, uh, I believe Angela Ruggiero played in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go back to Menel rail and I'm going to butcher her name, but she played, you know, the game for the Tampa Bay lightning, you know, I can't women's women's hockey is very different than men's hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the power to shoot from a you know, the top of the circle versus the skill that the women have, you know, closer into the net. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's different talent levels that you know, not talent levels. There's different skill base mm-hmm. based on, you know, it's a strengths and weaknesses. Um, and some of it is physical strength, but some of it is, it's almost like basketball where you have an outside game and you have an inside game. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the male, obviously upper physical strength, you're going to have a stronger outside game, you know, the harder shot from the point, whereas the women, you know, have a tighter inside game and their, their hands can be better. Their, their skills, you know, closer to the net by the circle, the hash marks can be better. Um, I think it's, you know, it's just a matter of skill. Can you do it? I don't think it's a matter of, you know, what's below the waist, right. I think if you have the skill to play, you should be given the opportunity. And if you have, you know, it shouldn't be based upon 
I mean, if you can take the hit and you can get back up from it and you can give right. the hit, you know, people want to say, oh, well, she'll get injured. She'll, she'll get this, she'll get that. Well, you know what? Men are hitting men. I mean, CTE is already out there. Right. And, and I have friends who suffer from, you know, the concussion issues are already there. So you want to make the argument about the physical game. Um, you can make it against, you know, the male side of it, bringing women into it. If you can take the hit and you can give the hit, then what's the difference? Right. You know, and I'm probably going to be slammed for saying that. Um, it's like girls playing football. You know, if, if you can do it, why should you have that chance be taken away from you? Exactly. Um, it, it's hard because that, you know, the physical side is always there and the injury side is always, always there. Um, and, and the issues with CTE and concussions are already there. But I think if you have the skill to play and you can play at a professional level, men's or women's, um, why not? What, you know, all you're doing is adding to the game. You're not taking away from it. Right. You know, if you, if you took an eraser and you erased the face and you erased what's below the waist and you put the bodies out there and it was just, and, and you didn't see who was what, and you just let the game happen, you're never going to know who's male and who's female. You're just watching the game. Right. But as soon as we, you know, we, we take and we put the face and, and the gender back out there, then you're going to say, oh, well, that person's not as good. Why? Well, because she's female. Well, you weren't saying that five minutes ago when you couldn't see who, what, who it was. Exactly. Yes. So it's, you know, I, I think there's, you know, if, if you can do it, you should have the opportunity to do it. It's like me saying, well, you're a woman, you can't own a hockey team. Well, why? Right. You know, why? The 10 other voter, the 10 other owners feel I can do it. Why can't I? Exactly. You know, I, is it, well, you, you know, is it a financial thing? No, it's not. You think, you know, nobody owns a hockey team to make money. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> nobody goes out and does this because they think they're going to make money. Um, this for me is an opportunity to get back. I'm doing this because I love the sport. I love my hometown. I, and, and they deserve this. Um, it's not because I'm male, I'm female. I, I can, you know, afford to do this. I can't afford to, it's not about that. It's just because it's, it's what I love. It's what I want to do. And it's what I can give back to a community that deserves to have it. Right. Um, doesn't matter if I'm a female or not. It's just, you know, it, it just is. <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it. It just, it's just, it's just that. Um, and it shouldn't, there really shouldn't be that much emphasis on this. Right. You know, we, why, why we're putting so much, there's so many other things, like I said, the mental health care aspect of this. Why are we not focusing on that right now? How right. many players across sports in general, do we have to lose? How many more athletes do we have to lose before we start to remove the stigma of mental health care from this? Right. You know, what, what, what is it going to take? Right. And I remember you mentioning that was like going to be one of the most important parts of your core values um, as an owner. So what does that mean to you to put in mental health? So what does that mean in terms of how that's going to affect the team? Like, are you going to have professionals come in specifically talking about mental health? Are you going to have them participate in some type of activities? Like, what does that look like for your team? We're I mean, it's a building process right now. We want to make sure that our players have access to assistance if they need it. Um, we, you know, making sure that they feel comfortable, that their privacy is respected. Um, you know, we've all, 
each of, you know, each of us have all, I'm sure, been through different um, events in our lives um, that ha have impacted us. Um, I, I'm a domestic violence survivor, um, you know, and I'm still dealing with that court case. So for me, I deal with, with, you know, some PTSD from that. Um, I'm still dealing with the, the court case and whether or not I have to testify. Um, other play, you know, some players have addiction issues. Some people have, um, events that they've survived in their life, uh, you know, whether it's being threatened or bullied or whatever it may be, we have to have the opportunity to, um, you know, have access to professionals, to, um, you know, programs, whatever it may be that this person feels comfortable with. But first and foremost, we have to provide an environment that a player feels emotionally safe in to come forward and say, I have this problem. Right. So first and foremost is creating that environment that says, look, nobody's going to know. I don't even have, you know, nobody needs to know anything we're going to create for you you know this person that you can go to that is purely not you know purely, purely private between you and this person no one on the team is going to know no one on the staff is going to know that if you have something that you feel is is you know affecting you in a way that you may harm yourself or harm others or whatever it may be you go to this person or you have an issue with an addiction or you have whatever it may be mm -hmm. you have access to this. Um, we will, I mean, each of us um, within the organization, staff-wise, those of us who have had experiences, we're going to openly talk to the team and say, look, we've, we've each experienced different areas of this. And we feel comfortable telling you, like, this is what we're doing. And this is how we've dealt with it. And we continue to deal with it. Um, it it's just something that's so, we can't gloss it over. It's right. something that we have to repeatedly, you know, go back to so that people know that, like I said, first and foremost, you have to create a safe environment because exactly. the moment somebody feels like their privacy has been violated, you open up a door for absolute catastrophe. Right. I completely agree with that. I think that's going to be awesome. I'm definitely going to be wanting to follow up with you and see how that's going. So heading into your first season as an organization, what are you hoping to accomplish? Um, it's interesting because coach and I have, have had a discussion about what do we consider success? Mm -hmm. um, first and foremost, obviously success is making the playoffs and, and of course winning. Right. <laughs> um, but we also talked about it from a development standpoint. The SPHL is a development league. So success for us isn't just about winning. It's also about how many players have, did we develop through the season that successfully were called up to the ECHL or higher and stayed there. Okay. So say we end up at, you know, a little over 500 or we're at 700 or, or we qualify for the payout play, you know, we make the playoffs, but we sent 10 players on to me, that's beyond successful to have, to, right. to have 10 players come through the organization and be called up to the coast or higher and stay there for the rest of the season. That's success. Nice. That's just as, as my, my brother and my father put kids into college, putting kids on to the next level that success. Success doesn't have to be defined of whether or not we win the President's Cup. Um, right. You know, our, hopefully our fans realize that because we are technically 70 miles away from our next higher up level. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we love you. Now, um, but and our fans do know that. I mean, and that's the great thing about um, having a fan base that had a junior team that they know they can continue on to follow these players. They'll embrace them and, and follow them to the next level. 
um, they realize that success is also defined by moving up. And right. they will continue to follow. Like we jokingly, you know, we put it out there to see, you know, who was the first SPHL player to win a, a Stanley Cup or, you know, we and it was Scott Darling. Um, and within, I think, a minute and a half, we had 31 answers and they were all correct. So people know right. who's come through this league and who's successful. So we knew right then and there we had a goldmine because people knew that they could follow to the next level. So development and success to us is also defined by, you know, we, we believe in no complacency. We love you. We want you to come play for us. We just don't want you to stay that long. Right. You know, we want you to be a Bobcat, but we, you know, come wear the Jersey, represent us, be proud, win, be successful, and then go to the next level. Right. Like we love you. We want you to come, but we just don't want you to stay that long. Right. <laughs> um, we, you know, it, it's really about sending guys on to the next level. Nice. It's not, you know, it's, if we're not pushing you, we're not doing our job. Right. I like that aspect. And I like that outlook. That is very interesting because sometimes people are like, oh, you know, we're just focused on winning. We want to come out and running, <laughs> running onto the ice and getting all the wins and everything. But you're like, no, I want to develop my players and make sure that they can move up and move on to the next level. So I definitely like your outlook on that. And is there any particular aspect of the season or in general that you're looking forward to most as an owner? Um, we're going to do some things that are out of the box. Um, you know, we do specialty Jersey nights, but we're going to do some things that are different. We're going to, um, essentially do like a domestic violence Jersey, which we don't think has been done. Um, or something that's representative, especially coming out of COVID where the child abuse, the domestic violence abuse numbers Mm -hmm. soared. Um, we want to bring attention to that. Um, we're going to do an ALS Jersey, um, in honor of my dad. And, and it turns out, um, other members of the staff, we have one who lost an uncle. So it's actually a little more, um, prevalent to our organization than I realized. Um, we, you know, I'm really looking forward to just having the players there and in the community, um, doing some cross coaching experiences, inviting, whether it be U of I or the high school coaches to spend a day with our staff and vice versa, spending a day with them, um, doing a, a learn to play hockey for our hockey moms. You know, it's great that the dads take their kids to the ice, but there are a lot of single moms bringing their, their kids in, right. come in for, you know, a couple of nights and lace up skates, get some gloves and stick and, and learn and teach them the game. Um, so awesome. you're not just, yeah, you're not just sitting there and, and, you know, I used to knit during games when I wasn't, <laughs> I learned, I learned that from another hockey mom. Um, but there's, yeah, there's, I just, I'm excited to get our players here and be in the community. I really am just ready to introduce them and to, you know, to finally have it all brought together and to have, you know, we're, we call ourselves a family right. and we are, we're very family oriented as a staff. And once our players are here and I'm really excited to get our family here and, and get everybody settled in and to start, start things rolling. That's awesome. Well, I am excited for you. It sounds awesome. And I definitely am going to be paying a little bit more attention to the SPHL this year, because I definitely want to see about you guys and what you guys are up to. So before we wrap things up, our last signature question. So if you could go back to when you were a young girl and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, one piece of advice. Um, (laughs) I know it's hard. It's definitely hard (laughs) to give myself one piece of advice. But, um, 
you know, it, it's something, it's something my dad always told me. And he said, you know, you can be anything that you want to be, you know, do what you love. It doesn't matter how much money you make. doesn't matter, you know, but wake up every morning. It's not work if you love what you do. Right. So it, it doesn't matter how much you make. It doesn't, but if you wake up every day and you love what you do, even on your worst days, it's not work. So whatever you do, find a passion, find a love and do that. And don't, you know, and, and I think I spent a lot of time searching in my life for that passion, even though hockey's always been there and I've been very passionate about it to take this step in a, you know, which is you know, a risk, but not to be afraid to take that risk. And so, yeah, um, don't be afraid to take risks and, and find the thing that you love. You know, don't be afraid to fail. It's okay to fail. As right. long as you put forth the effort and you tried, that's what matters. So I think that's it is, you know, don't be afraid to take risks. Don't be afraid to fail and, and do what you love. That is a great note to end on. Definitely take those risks. Don't be afraid yeah. to fail. I love it. So we will be tagging the team's website at the bottom so everybody can go follow along with what you guys got going on. And just thank you so much again for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. Anytime. And thank you for your service. Oh, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate that. (laughs) And we appreciate all the the interview and, and following along with us. This was great. Thank you so much.